The year 2020 has been a year of change. Global changes have included COVID-19 pandemic which has resulted in us all having to change our ways, especially with traveling on a global scale. Cutting down air traffic has bound many to their place when the regulations came. The world is not as small or open anymore as it used to be. On a regional scale, there have been wildfires and other natural catastrophes. In societies, some people have demanded rights that they should have by default, more visibly than in years, and there have been demonstrations and confrontations in many places around the world. Individually, people have also gone through changes. Some have lost or quit their job, some found a new one. Some have faced economic challenges and some have overcome them. Relatives, family members and friends have passed away and babies have been born. Relationships have been broken and new have been formed. We haven't been able to see some people important to us physically, but we've been able to connect to them and many others via technology. Children have had to do learning outside of school context and stay away from their important social groups. Adults have had to learn working from home, some meanwhile helping their children in education. We all have faced changes of some kind this year, big or small. We face changes normally also, but this year it has been more rapid, more serious and more visible, and more in number and ways. My name is Jani Kontkanen and you are listening to Mitäpelataan podcast. This series is called Paragons of Change. It's a series of interviews with people from board gaming sphere whom I've noticed going through changes in recent times. We talk about change and what they have changed in their lives. By default, we do not claim we state facts. We only talk from our own points of view and our opinions. As the discussion might take a negative note at times, we try to finish with a positive by giving you a top 9 list of games. The topic of the list has been chosen by the guest and we will have a battle of the lists after the episode airs in my social media channels. You, dear listener, are encouraged to comment and vote on the lists to see which one of us did better. The award is pride and fame among the small listener base this podcast has. Now, let's invite our paragon for today. So today, in the Paragons of Change, we have our ninth paragon, the first one in the second set of interviews. Let's welcome Eric Summerer. Welcome, Eric. Hello. Uh, great to be here. How are you? I'm doing well. A little frazzled, but... um. Otherwise, uh, otherwise good. I think we're going to talk about why I've been frazzled lately. <laughs> yeah. Um, this year has been very interesting so far. Yes. I think uh, it's probably been interesting on the other side of Atlantic Ocean as well, I think. Uh, but you've had some change recently, according to the very nice Top 100 Games video that you recorded and uploaded and... I watched and seems that you've changed house very that, recently. That uh, that we did. Uh, one of the the side effects of the COVID pandemic is that a lot of people uh, in the New York City area, I, I live in Connecticut, have been fleeing and, and trying to find houses. Um, and so the housing market has been very active uh, in in my area. And um, and so we took the opportunity to sell our house. And find something a little bigger, uh, you know, several towns over. We moved about an hour away from where mm-hmm. we used to live, still in the state of Connecticut, 
mm-hmm. but but we have you know have to do all of that pack up all of your stuff uh, show off the house sell the house arrange the movers um, and so we have settled in we've been in the new house for about two weeks uh, mm-hmm. I have reset up my voiceover studio so I actually today was my first day back in the saddle recording audiobooks uh, and it went well. So far, which is good. Um, nothing <laughs> nothing got lost. All the cords and cables got reconnected the way they were supposed to. Uh, but we're still surrounded by boxes and still settling in and organizing and, and figuring out where everything is going to go in the new space. Mm-hmm. I forgot to ask you that who are you and what do you do in the <laughs> board gaming sphere if someone doesn't know? Sure. I'm so certain that everyone knows who you are. I never want to assume that. Uh, you, you know, it's always great to to meet new people who don't know who I am, which is great. Uh, my name's Eric Summer. Uh, for the past ten or eleven years now, wow, I have been um, one of the co-hosts of the Dice Tower podcast. Uh, that is my mm-hmm. evening job. Uh, during the day, I record audiobooks from my home. Uh, I have a, a little uh, box, a whisper room that I uh, record in. And uh, if you search on audible.com, you'll find uh, a bunch of my audiobooks. And I uh, I enjoy talking to myself for hours on end. Are you now in the padded room? I am currently in the padded room, yes. Does it have corners? I, it, it has corners, um, but they are uh, well cushioned. All right, as they should be. How many audiobooks have you recorded? Do you know? Uh, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. It's somewhere between 250 and 300 at this point. Uh, it's That's it's easy to lose track. <laughs> yeah, I assume so. Uh, you said when I asked you to join here that you've had lots of changes this year besides this moving the house. What kind of changes have you had? Uh, well, we have had to uh, sort of change the way I work. Um, mm-hmm. Ordinarily, I I have an employee uh, who comes to the house and and helps run all of the technology and follows along on the script to make sure I read all the same all the right words uh, that are in front of me. Because often when I am in the thick of it and and doing character voices or trying to pronounce uh, difficult words in a nonfiction book. I will often miss a, a small word mm-hmm. here and there, and and I'll, I'll make mistakes because my my brain is focusing on other things. Uh, so I need to have another person following along, making sure I'm as accurate as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, she would do that from my house, uh, literally feet from me on the other side of this door. She would be uh, sitting there and and running everything and following along. And uh, as the pandemic locked everything down, we were suddenly faced with, well, how do we keep working? Because mm-hmm. the demand for my work didn't really change. Uh, I still <laughs> had clients. Not. I still had clients looking for for recordings. Although uh, I bet listenership is down as as fewer people are commuting to yeah. their their jobs. Um, that's often a time that you would listen to audiobooks. But we mm-hmm. we were faced suddenly with. I, you know, she didn't feel comfortable making the journey to my house um, mm-hmm. and, and being, you know, per somebody who was coming into my house every day. Uh, and, and I wasn't as comfortable having her in there. So we had to figure out a way to make that work. Uh, and mm-hmm. we used Skype uh, as our primary communication vector. So now she listens in 
um, to to Skype to follow along mm-hmm. on her script in front of her, and I had to rearrange my recording space so that I could. I got an extender for my keyboard for the computer so that I can run the, the computer from the booth while looking through the window of the booth. It mm-hmm. it took some ergonomic shuffling to get it all to work, but it it worked surprisingly well. And so after maybe a couple days of adjustment, we were able to get back into the swing of things and maintain our schedule uh, and uh, I've always been working from home, so having the children home studying hasn't really been an issue, uh, and my wife mm-hmm. has been working from home. Uh, so it's it's been an adjustment, but more stable than than it could have been. And uh, And certainly I'm very fortunate to have maintained most of my workload during this time, which is certainly a blessing. Yeah, it's actually good if everything has been sorted out with the kids also. Yes, so, they they have their own issues with distance learning has been its own set of hurdles, uh, especially dealing with teachers who do not. That that I don't know how they're doing it in Finland, but um, <laughs> we have what they call a hybrid model, uh, mm-hmm. where some of the students are in physical class. And others mm-hmm. may have decided to stay home, and we kept our kids home because I was able to be home with them. Um, mm-hmm. So they have been distance learning, while some of the other kids, many classmates, have been physically in the class. And their teachers have had to split their attention between five or six students studying uh, distance uh, on on Zoom, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, And a, an entire class worth of children or a partial class worth of children physically in the school. And that mm-hmm. is nearly impossible to do, to pay attention to both groups equally. And so yeah. we've found that the kids on Zoom have suffered a little bit in the, in the learning. Uh, and you haven't been getting as much attention or, or covering as much material. Uh, and it's it's something we're going to have to adjust for in the coming year Uh, as we switch schools from where we were living to our our new school district, uh, mm-hmm. and and hopefully we'll have a better experience with the new district. Yeah, I'm not sure about this hybrid model, but in the spring when the COVID entered Finland, so to say, all the schools were closed, so it was only distance learning, mm-hmm. and all the kids were at home, and it was a bit chaotic yes. <laughs> for the parents because they had to stay home. You can't leave a kid home, and I think the teachers did very good job here. They were actually giving the lectures. They were not only giving packages that learn these, and then we have an exam, but they were actually giving the classes, and I think they did a really good job. It is than a they very that they did. It's a very difficult situation to be in, and I have nothing but sympathy for all of these teachers who have had to basically learn new ways of doing things in the last yeah. eight months. Um, but it, it is it's still difficult, no matter how how hard they're trying. Um, there are certainly gaps in in the way this is all being put together. Yeah, currently the schools are open, but the secondary school and high schools are suggested to be in distance learning. Hmm. But the, like the elementary schools and such, they are still open because they somehow found out that the kids are not spreading the corona that much. Mm-hmm. How is the corona situation there, by the way? How has it been for half a year? Uh, 
It's it's not been fantastic. Uh, Connecticut, my my state, has responded pretty well when when mm-hmm. in March when things started to to increase. Num- we saw numbers starting to go up, and uh, like I said, we're very close to New York City, which was a hot spot. Um, mm-hmm. So because there's a lot of the economy of Connecticut in, involves New York City, a lot of people live in Connecticut and work in New York. And so mm-hmm. the, the governor and the government of Connecticut was very responsive to what New York was doing. And so yeah. even, even though we were not in crisis mode as far as where our numbers were, we responded very closely to what New York was doing. And so mm-hmm. I think we stayed ahead of it more than other areas of the U.S. were able to. Um, but we are now back looking at numbers that are as high as they were back in March and April and and that's and and not locked down as much as we were back then. Um, yeah. So I, I do wish we we could get a better handle on it. Um, there are all sorts of issues to to all of that as far as personal responsibility and for some reason it being a politicized issue in the US um, whereas it's really a health issue and just trying to keep everybody safe. I would love if we could all just take care of it in in a few weeks but that obviously hasn't happened in the past 8 months. Yeah, it's actually the same here. We we have higher numbers than in the spring but there are less restrictions. Yes. Now it's like a municipal restrictions. Earlier it was the whole country went to lockdown. Yeah. Especially the southern part of the country, but now it's just People are bored and <laughs> such, but it's hard. I, I get it. I mean, you know, we've been yeah. in this situation for so long. Everyone just wants to go back to normal, but we can't. And it's hard to be told that you can't. Yeah, um, that's true. Our big issue right now is is the the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, on mm-hmm. the horizon, and everyone keeps saying we should not be traveling and getting together the way that we normally do, and it still seems like people are planning to do it. And, yeah. and it's hard to get that across. And I don't I, – I know I'm looking forward to a, a Christmas that's probably just the four of us here in this house. Uh, in our mm-hmm. new house, we set up the tree um, and we'll probably have some Zoom calls with, with relatives. We may have a single person come over uh, and we'll all be masked. But like our standard – we usually host everyone for, for the Christmas mm-hmm. holidays because uh, we've got the kids – and uh, and grandparents wanting to come over and, and see everybody. We were always the hub for getting to see mm. everyone. And that's certainly not happening this year. That's a big change, actually. If yes. You've been doing that for years. Yeah, it is. It's going to be a very strange Christmas day for sure. Yeah, we're trying to still have a Christmas so that people come over. We've been hosting a few years also. Mm-hmm. And let's see. But the situation here where I live is now calming down. There was some kind of a spike two weeks ago. But let's see how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> People yeah. don't seem to care, unfortunately. Except that when they said here that we are suggesting masks, now over 90% of people wear masks in shops. I'm really, really, how can I say, proud of the people because we've never had this mask system in this country and nobody wore in the spring but now they do it's actually quite nice to see that's good they try to stay healthy and keep everyone else healthy yeah in my experience uh, at least here in in connecticut people are, are you know following the rules and and you know trying to 
get a handle on this as best as possible. And so it, it is good to see the masks being worn everywhere. And, and when we had to do our move, you know, having to move with contractors and movers and a bunch of people and, and realtors and prospective buyers for our house mm. entering our home, uh, it was good to see everyone using hand sanitizer, everyone using masks. And mm. um, I, I felt safer than I, I could have felt if, if everyone was not really following these rules. Uh, but it was good that everyone who entered our house and who moved stuff into the new house was wearing a mask. Um, it, it helped make us feel a little bit better. Yeah, it's so annoying to do any lifting with the mask. I uh, just went today, yeah. three hours ago, to get the shelf packet from IKEA, and it was horrible with the mask. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so boring stuff to do. Um, the world has been changing this year, besides the corona and everything, and it seems that many people have gone through some individual changes and also some other types of changes have happened in the world um, on a global scale and in societies and I'm wondering what do you think about change? Change is you know it, it's it's scary um, mm-hmm. but it is also I'm trying to think of it as an opportunity uh, when you do make a big change and, and again I'm going back to the, the new home model um, it was a big pain to pack up all of our stuff and to get it into a portable version. Um, But now that we're actually in our new home, it is Mm -hmm. sort of exciting to be able to redefine your space, redefine the way that you do things. Like in setting up my studio, that that was my primary um, uh, priority. When, When we got everything off of the truck, getting all of this back up and running so that I could work again mm-hmm. was was one of the chief priorities. But in my old house, I was crammed into a tiny little room for my studio. And mm-hmm. now I'm basically in the basement and have much more room to play with in how I built the booth that I'm sitting in, how I ran the wires around the room, how I positioned mm-hmm. things ne- next to the booth. And so it's kind of exciting to be able to think, well, how would I, where would I want my business files to go? What would be the most mm. convenient and, and the best place for these to be? And to be able to actually position them there instead of being crammed into a corner where, or a closet as they, they have been. Um, <laughs> so being able to redefine is sort of exciting if it's still a lot of work. Did I hear correctly in Mandy's and Susan's podcast that you are now able to and allowed to build a gaming room. That is very true and also very exciting. Uh, you, you mentioned IKEA, though. Um, with the, uh, the the pandemic and its associated transportation issues, I have not been able to get all of the shelves I want. Um, yeah, I, I heard that. <laughs> I have so at the moment I have four frames uh, of the IKEA Besta system. In, in the room, but I have no shelves to put inside them. So I can't actually put games into those frames yet. Um, they're, they're more there as decoration and positioning for the time being. So I've had to wait. I have not been able to start the transformation of that space. Uh, but I'm very excited to be able to 
create a board game space again from scratch. It's almost a blank canvas. This uh, this room uh, that was a a formal living room um, that is like a sitting room that we aren't mm-hmm. using for that purpose. This is going to be my board game room. Uh, of course, the challenge is that all of the games need to go into that room. I'm not allowed to spread them all over the house anymore, <laughs> as as I did in the old house. Uh, so that. That challenge and that uh, excitement of the project of creating this space, finding places for all of the games, I think I can do it, um, but I'm going to need shelves to come back in stock at Ikea. Do you have a table already, or did you have already earlier? I, I don't have a dedicated board game table. I have one of the game toppers. Uh, which mm-hmm. is the the portable toppers uh, that that can go on any flat surface really, and that will yeah. work fine uh, for the time being. I would like to eventually make that the portable game top that I could put on something else. Like the dream is to have a family game day again, uh, where I can mm-hmm. invite a bunch of people over and we can all be playing games and and have a big party um, with multiple tables going, and eventually. Mm-hmm. I would like to get a dedicated gaming table um, from one of the the game table manufacturers and and put it in the center of the room. I don't have it yet, but I I don't need it yet. So for now, I'll, I'll probably stick with the game topper and uh, and use that for a little while. Learn more about what I need in the space, what will fit best, what I I hope to use it for, and and by the time I'm ready for a game table, maybe I can have people over again. Yeah, if you begin doing videos, maybe some company will send you a table. It is like they've it done is to some people. Yeah, that 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 would be nice too, or a discount or something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do hope to do more videos. That's that's something that I never really had room for in um, in the old space. I would have to basically pack up everything and then bring it all mm-hmm. back out again. Uh, every time I wanted to do some sort of video project, which is why for the Dice Tower I haven't done that much. Uh, but mm-hmm. now in my new studio space, I could set up a table semi-permanently uh, and, and set up my lights semi-permanently so that it, when I do want to do a video, I can just turn it all on and go, as opposed to having to set up everything from scratch every time. That sounds good for the viewers, at least. Yeah, about the toppers, I think that topper is fine. I don't have a gaming table either. I have self-made mm-hmm. toppers two of them and they're a bit heavy because I made them from this plywood and it could have been a bit thinner. Okay. <laughs> but but I think they work fine. It means it's There's sturdy. No... It's not going to fall apart. Yeah, but <laughs> it's so heavy. <laughs> <laughs> to lift around, they're not really portable. <laughs> yes. Just on and off. What do you think on a global scale? What kind of changes there has been this year or have been? Ah... Uh... In in uh, the board gaming sphere or just in general? In general or in board game sphere, you don't have to go into politics. I know you had or still are having elections there in the US. I don't know how long that will go on. That show, <laughs> yes, hopefully from, we from will outside, be. It's like, it's like some kind of a circus. Uh, it is, um, yeah. Um, absolutely. I'm hoping that, that we are out of that particular situation very soon. I. On a, a in the board gaming sphere, uh, this is has sort of forced us to find new ways to to promote board games. Um, we mm-hmm. used to revolve everything around a convention schedule, 
Uh, yeah. And which which has at least for a full year now. We just uh, canceled Dice Tower West, so it will have been a full year of canceled events um, mm-hmm. already, and if not more. We're probably going to go even further into 2021. Uh and and stuff like Spiel in Essen, where where you and I got to see each other in person, uh, seems mm-hmm. like a, a, a lifetime ago that we got to do That's that. That's true. And uh, and Gen Con and uh, the other you know packs and major events where where publishers would get to premiere titles, would there were they'd get to show things off on demo tables and um, and and really just build their release schedule around these physical events. And for some people, that's how they would find new games. You know, if you are not Mm. as active on Board Game Geek or listening to podcasts or that sort of thing, there are lots of people who just went to Gen Con with with their board game budget for the year and did all of their Mm. shopping there. And it's the same in Spiel, I think. Same in Spiel. Yeah. You know, you walk around with a, a a wagon or a cart <laughs> yeah. and, and just fill up with all of the new releases. And that is your board gaming for the year. Um, that isn't happening. And, and trying to reach a new audience and reach uh, hobbyist board gamers without the benefit of those physical uh, meeting spaces is been, has been a tremendous challenge. But I do mm. think that even when we're able to get back together, I think we will have taken some of these lessons that we've learned about how to run virtual events, how to run virtual demos, um, and and still use them uh, to run some virtual components. We may still see a Gen Con offshoot where there are some virtual events going on or a Spiel Digital where there are some events happening for people who can't physically be there uh, because we now know how to do it, much, much like... Uh, the business world is probably realizing it doesn't need to have as many meetings in person mm. anymore. Uh, more people can work from home. More people can have meetings virtually. Uh, I, I'm hearing some businesses are are totally shutting their physical locations. You know, th- this office is, we're just not going to have an office anymore. Everybody can work from home. Yeah. We know you can do it. Uh, if we really need a conference space, we'll rent a conference space for a week. But we don't need to have an office open all the time. Mm. Um, it costs a lot also to have a building or an does. office. Or a, even a small office is not cheap. And we, you know, we saw so much resistance in the past 10 years or so to people working at home. You know, business was, would often say, no, 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 you can't work from home. Or they'd have all sorts of restrictions for working from home. Yeah. But now that we've seen it can be done and still be productive and still have that work-life balance... Um, I think we'll see a lot more working from home for for businesses and for jobs who are able to do that. Uh, yeah. it, it, you don't really have the excuse of saying, no, you can't work from home because we've already seen it can be done. Yeah. Just the other side of the coin is that um, companies might say that you have to work from home and maybe some people um, are not even safe at home working. So there's two sides of that. That, that is so very I, true. I don't think the without office is not necessarily the way to go, but maybe this hybrid model that some work from home, some don't. Yep. Some might have to go to work to be able to do something. Maybe they have lots of kids at home that will distract them or something. I've noticed that I work better at office than I work at home. So it's a bit... 
I would want to go back to office. Yes. <laughs> At least uh, spaces some sometimes. Or just having a familiar space or being able to to concentrate or or be working, you know, collaborating with uh, like-minded people and not necessarily a bunch of kids or or lawnmowers <laughs> operating outside your window. Uh, leaf blowers. That was a big issue this this fall. So many people <laughs> who didn't weren't used to working from home suddenly were faced with all of the you know noises of a fall. Yeah. Uh, you know, working from home and and not being able to have a meeting because there was a leaf blower next door. <laughs> yeah, you don't have isolation in the buildings there like we do here. So <laughs> we don't really hear about hear the leaf blowers. I think my problem is that my work computer is there in the same room as the board games so mm. i become distracted so much yes it's, yes it's not really good but there's no other space to put the computer really so that's a bit problematic have you attended these um online conventions to be honest it, not as many as i thought i would um yeah there were a few uh very early on the the dice tower and board game geek ran a virtual gaming con very early mm-hmm. in the summer and i had a blast doing it i i ran some events ran some games on virtual platforms um we did some live uh video content and that's i i enjoy doing that sort of thing but if mm-hmm. i'm not scheduled for events i have found that i am much more leaning towards spending time with the family Yeah, exactly same with me. I thought that I would attend all of these conventions, but it's weekend. I sit in front of the computer all week already. I don't want to do that in the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so different to go in person because then you go somewhere else and you actually see the people and actually touch the games. But now I, if I want to see a virtual game, I can see it during weekday evening. If I want to, yeah. I don't have to spend my weekend for that. There is something, so. there's something specific about going somewhere to a convention, mm. separating yourself from your normal life, and and spending some time in this zone. We we sort of talk about the the bubble um, that that you're in when you're in a convention, where there's it's its own time frame. And yeah. your your whole uh, world is sort of revolving around the events at the convention and when the gates open and when the hall shuts down for the day and then where you're going to eat when you're done. And uh, it's just all self-contained. And while you may get a phone call or an email from work while you're doing this sort of thing, <laughs> it it's rare that you're getting these yeah. intrusions from the outside world. You're sort of in that bubble. But with the virtual conventions, there is no bubble. In fact, yeah. the convention itself is the intrusion, and yes, it's exactly it's That's harder. Said, in my opinion, uh, it it is a lot harder to um, to to make that work. I I've had that same situation with trying to get my game group, uh, my usual game group, which hasn't met since March, mm-hmm. um, did try to do some virtual gaming when we first got started, and I would often find that game time would come along. But I would be in the middle of something with the family. I would be. Yeah. Uh, it would. It would be almost dinner time. It would be. You know, there was. There wasn't that sense of leaving the house to do this thing where I would be in the bubble and normally order mm. takeout or you know hanging out with the friends. Now I had all of the family stuff to do and didn't necessarily have that time cut out for for playing a game. 
Yeah, it's also a bit unfair if you t- tell the rest of the family that I'm here in the room, don't come here. <laughs> yes, yes. That, that doesn't work. Sharing of space, too. It, it makes it difficult, you know. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. I, I, This room is mine. Be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the same, actually, with me. We tried to play on Tabletop Simulator when, we, when the board game club got closed, but then we noticed that it's not going to work that well live and... We've been playing actually in board game arena quite a lot with the game group, mm. just five of us, not all, everyone. But now, three weeks ago, the board game club got closed again because university said that you're not allowed to gather anymore for the rest of the year because of Corona and it became worse. We were able to uh, gather for two months and that was actually quite good. Ah. But then person limit and masks. Okay. But still people live people <laughs> yeah yeah we we But have not had that opportunity um, ah. you know some some folks have have been able to do a, a very small like in-house um, masked gathering with just like another couple or something like that or outside playing outside that that might have been good but as the weather has gotten cold um, mm. that that's not as much of an option uh, so yeah I have not had live gaming my live game group has been my kids. And they yeah. only have so much tolerance for for the games <laughs> I, I like to play. Um, I, I am often having to foist review games upon them. And I think they, they just get a little sick of learning new rules at some point and uh, very resistant. I'll, I'll show them a stack of here's three or four games that I need to play. And they'll pick the one that has the shortest play time so that they're done faster. <laughs> yeah, and actually, what I play with my daughter, it's the same. Except now, last Friday, I bought some used kids games, and I said to her that we need to try these three, so I know which I will give away. <clears throat> and then she came in the evening. She said, "Now where the, where are the games?" <laughs> and she's four and half. So we played one game. She said, "Where's where's the next one?" Okay, next one. Oh, did they end already? I mean, three games in one one hour we played. Nice. That was the first time when she wanted to play something new after the previous game, that she didn't want to play the same game again. That was the first time that just came to my mind when you said that your kids don't want to learn new, new rules. Yeah, it, it doesn't help that they, you know, there's so many other distractions uh, with the electronic yeah. entertainment. Um, I am definitely seeing that, that they would rather be watching YouTube or they'd rather be playing something on the Switch. Uh, and so I, I have to actually carve out family game time where the screens go off and we are playing something on the tabletop. Um, and and they, they're still resistant when those those moments come up. <laughs> You should play better games, not just review games. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe you have good review games. Maybe. Um, you haven't had any possibility to play for half a year. So you have had these regulations all the time. Uh, I mean, they, they fluctuated as far as what um, the the official rules are. Uh, mm-hmm. But but what the rules say and what I'm comfortable doing have not always been the same. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as we started to lock down and, and we had um, at first it became, you know, 100 people maximum and then it became mm-hmm. 50 people maximum and then it became 20. Yeah. And um, as soon as any sort of restrictions were happening, my game group, which meets at at someone's house, mm-hmm. said, sorry, folks, we're out. 
you know, they, we, we would be coming to their house. So obviously it's up to them if they want to continue having people over to their home. Um, yeah, of course. And so they weren't comfortable uh, as this was ramping up having people in their house. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was it was definitely their decision to to lock it down. Um, but even I, I feel like even if there was some sort of technical reason why we could do it, say, you know, OK, you can have gatherings of 100 people or gatherings of 50 people. Mm-hmm. And and so then there was a board game night that, you know, we're, we'll take the first 25 people. I I'm still not necessarily confident that I would I would want to be in that situation yet. Um, mm-hmm. I, until I think it's it's got to be the vaccine is the finish line for me. When enough people have that, that is when I will start to feel comfortable having social interactions again. And while I've always sort of felt that that's the case, it's um, it's hard to realize that it will be that long before I'm really comfortable doing it. Yeah, we had almost two months, uh, zero cases in the summer. Oof. That's why we were able to gather again but now in the autumn it got crazy again crazier than in the spring wait the, the just to hear that there's a possibility of a zero that is not anything the u.s was dealing with <laughs> then only in the area where i live in yeah. we have 164,000 people in this region but we were still under 100 in the whole country wow we were doing really well in the summer we should have just kept doing that and not travel People wanted to travel in the summer, and I yeah. have no idea why. Uh, now we are facing a, a Santa-less Christmas. How do you say Christmas without Santa? Without Santa, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it. It is a lot of it is if it's not in front of you, it's sometimes hard to realize how bad it is. Um, and we've we've certainly had that in the U.S. We are such a large country and a and a porous uh, as far as borders and and borders between states are, are so you know nebulous as far mm. as travel um, that one area might be doing really great. Uh, we've we've had certain states do very well and and be in the green zone and and it looks like hey we beat this thing, but as soon as restrictions start to lift again. It gets bad, and um, it's hard to remain vigilant for as long as we have, and still, and still be so careful. Yeah, that's true. Um, do you think you have changed in the process during the last year in the moving and in this learning how to work in a new way and learning to be without playing games and everything? Do you think you've changed? I'm sure I have. Uh, being able to define it is is tricky. I I think I think my perspective uh, on going with the flow um, has has altered a little bit. I I tend to, at least before this happened, I would get very um, antsy, very uh, nervous when things would go not according to plan. When when suddenly mm-hmm. a monkey wrench was thrown into whatever I had planned, uh, <laughs> I, I, that would be very much not my comfort zone. And uh, I would I would get uh, noticeably agitated, um, would often get uh, short with people when, when this sort of thing would happen, and, and sort of panic a little bit. And I think 
I think this situation has um, ha- has made me accept that I just have to go with the flow, that I can't really plan that far ahead, uh, even though I like to. That's one of the reasons why I like <laughs> doing audiobooks is because I can plan so far ahead. Um, other forms of voiceover require a much quicker turnaround. Uh, I, I say it's like a zero to 60 thing where you are not doing anything and then suddenly you are doing something and uh, yeah. you've got a you have an audition or a, a job that has to be turned around in 24 hours. And that's not the way audiobooks work. I have things on the calendar into February and I know that I will be recording this book and it's going to take me this long. And here's when it needs to be returned and I can plan significantly. So that's the way I like to work. I know that I can't necessarily plan on that. Uh, and I know that a plan that we have on the horizon might change in a week. Mm-hmm. The world may look different in a week, in a day. Um, mm-hmm. a- and so I, I have been forced to be more flexible, I think. And, and I think that's got to be a good thing, um, to be yeah. more easygoing when it comes to, I, I'm going to do my best, I will plan as best I can, but I am not going to rigidly stick to that schedule because it might be impossible by the time that comes around. You're probably not the only one who's had to oh, yeah. <laughs> think think about that. Sure. Um, if you compare yourself in the beginning of the year, uh, who are you now? And uh you haven't made this kind of a in a way huge decision you've just recently moved but uh, considering that what it involved and everything would you do that same move again i think i mean i don't want to ever have to do it again but part <laughs> of that is because i have now done it uh yeah. you know we 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 talked about all of the benefits of moving we, we are in a larger space now. We are able to, as our family has grown, when, when we moved into our old house, it was just the two of us. We didn't have a pet. We didn't have any kids. Um, and, and as the family has grown, our use of the space became very constrained. Um, mm-hmm. And we were always sort of resistant to, to taking such a big step. Like I said, change is hard. Uh, and sometimes the resistance, the inertia to keeping things comfortable um, keeps you where you are and maybe longer than we should have. Maybe we should have moved a couple years ago. Um, mm-hmm. In January, though, I was in that spot. I never really considered moving. It was only when we started seeing other houses in our area start to sell and said, wow, maybe this is our moment. And if we don't take this opportunity now, it might not be here in in another year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was maybe June when this started to happen. And we said, maybe we could move. We could make this happen. Um, and it required a lot of effort uh, to get past that inertia. And I don't think that I was in the mindset uh, to do that. In January, February, I, I think that more flexible attitude and approach that, you know, we can plan for what we can plan for, but we have to go with the mm. flow allowed us to break free and make a big life changing 
uh, move, such as leaving town? That's a good answer, actually. Have you asked your children what do they feel that they have to change the school and leave the friends behind? Are they fine with it? They are. They are resistant. I have two kids, nine and twelve. The twelve-year-old has has had small moments of being regretful, but I, I think he's realized that he he hasn't. You know, the fact that they've been distance learning, they haven't seen their friends in months. Yeah. Um, actually helps in this situation. They're able to mm. to adjust um, to basically logging into a different Zoom meeting. Or mm-hmm. the fact that they know they can keep track and, and stay in touch with their friends if they really want to stay in touch with them. They have the tools to do it because they've been using them for the past eight months to keep yeah. track of their uh, of their classes. Um, in fact, one of my, my youngest has uh, been having virtual play dates with one of his friends who moved away. And mm-hmm. uh, when he had moved away and we weren't in this virtual learning situation that was sort of this final thing i miss my friend i wish we could get together with my friend and i don't see him anymore but mm-hmm. now that he's sort of had this mental shift that says wait i can get together with any of my friends no matter where they are <laughs> no matter where i am um and, and has now been able to get together and play minecraft with his friend who had moved away a year ago um yeah. so there they they both have their moments of being very resistant. My nine-year-old really didn't want this to happen. And I think he had a a sense that if he just refused to help pack, that we would not be able to move <laughs> and, and end up staying in the same house. And at some point, the momentum of the move, we had sold our house and needed to leave. Um, that, that was no longer going to work. We, we were leaving whether he helped or not. Um, <laughs> and he, he wasn't quite embracing that approach. He's had a tougher time with this move. The kids have never mm. left their house. Um, they've always lived yeah. in one place. Uh, so the younger has had a lot of trouble. Um, the older is is learning to embrace it. Um, but but they're both moving slowly toward the sense that this is home. Yeah, that's good. It will go past. Yeah. I mean, it will pass in time. How about the future? What do you expect the future will bring to you? And what do you expect you yourself will become in the future? I I hope that this attitude that, that I've sort of embraced, uh, the flexibility, will continue even after I'm able to plan better. Um, when When the world situation allows me to plan for something and be reasonably certain that it's going to happen... Um, as far as like a convention or travel plans or a vacation, um, that I will still be able to roll with the punches um, when something gets in the way. Uh, I I hope you know it it'll be it'll be very um, you know we we talk about wanting to get back to the normal, um, but mm-hmm. but maybe we need a new normal. I, I think it's never going to be quite the way it was in January of 2020. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's going to be maybe more flexible, hopefully more caring, uh, more responsive to, uh, what other people need. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that, that we can move forward and be better, uh, than we were 
and uh, and not necessarily just back to the same thing because the same thing that's never the best thing you, you do need some motion some growth uh, even if it's comfortable you, you you need to move forward yeah that's true and you shouldn't go back if you've already forgotten the past in a way yeah yeah I don't think many people remember how it was in January or beginning of February 2020 anymore it feels like that it's really ridiculous to me that you could travel somewhere safely. <laughs> I, I miss it though. Like I, I really do miss the traveling and getting to see people in person. And I, I loved getting to go to a place that I had been before and, and have all those familiar smells and mm. senses come. Like when I would arrive in Essen and at, at the Dusseldorf airport, And get to you know see those same pillars again, and mm. and uh, the baggage carousels, and the trains, and the all of those elements that would come flooding back, um, or or the hotels near Gen Con or Origins or Dice Tower Con. It 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 was exciting to to have the places and the people that I'd get to see, and I miss those things tremendously. Um, and so mm. I hope I'm able to embrace those things again. Um, with maybe some better mental perspective uh, uh, about the malleability of all of it. Let's see what happens. Hopefully something positive will happen I, in the future. I hope so. Do you have anything else to add to this discussion about change and your changes and anything else before we move into our top nine lists? No, I I think we've covered a lot for sure. All right. So this time we have top nine lightweight games chosen by Eric. And why did you choose this kind of a list? Well, it uh, wasn't wh- very easy. We <laughs> should note that lightweight is is in physical weight. We're talking mass. We're yeah. talking easy to move. Well, like like we said, I've been moving. Everything. And, uh, <laughs> That's things, the reason. Okay, yes. now I got it. <laughs> uh, anything that is easy to move that can be thrown in a pocket or a bag and and doesn't require heavy lifting, um, it's it, it's helpful to have games that that you can throw in a bag and and when you have a few moments um, can play and not have to. Oh, did I bring that? You know, big box. Did I bring power grid? Is it in the car trunk or any of that? You don't need a carrier for these games. They can be thrown in a purse or a bag or a pocket even. Um, easy to transport, lightweight games. How did you um, qualify the games to your list? Did you just choose everything or did you choose something that you remember that was easier to carry than the power grid while you were moving? Or How did you disqualify and qualify the games and how did you make your list? Uh, I mean, it was it was just sort of remembering back to too easy to transport. I was thinking of of the the smaller uh, size games, and uh, and then there are some categories of games which we'll we'll get to when we talk about the list. There are some manufacturers that specifically make small games, uh, mm-hmm. and and rather than just populate the list with you know every release from such and such line, I, I tried to pick only one of each of those series. Um, so there are, you know, like the button shy games 
that come yeah. in small little wallets, all of those would fit this list. But I, I only picked one. I actually weighed all my games with the <laughs> post scale. My postal uh, scale I, is still in a box somewhere. Okay, I weighed them. I went around the house and checked at what games I have. I didn't find one game on the list. It's in some container, so I couldn't weigh that <laughs> one. And um, some others I didn't weigh because I thought I'm not adding them to the list. Okay. But my games, are, the heaviest game in the short list even is 177 grams. Okay. So they are not heavy. Yeah, no. And I actually ranked them according to the weight. So the <laughs> lightest weight, the physical, physically lightest weighting game is number one. And the heaviest, actually the one that I couldn't find, is number nine. I, I didn't because I didn't have an actual weight for each of them. I, I went with the games I like the most uh, in, <laughs> okay. in the ranking. Yeah, I'm trying to make this a bit strange because this is now the ninth episode i'm making a list i'm also disqualifying the games that i've used in earlier lists oh excellent so so i threw out hanabi and puddle imp and i have this pocket version of hanabi it has traveled with me in many countries Hmm. it's in this small metal tin and even with the tin it weighs 140 grams wow so it's very lightweight okay they have similar version of Tichu. I don't know if you. I don't remember if you like the game. Or I not. do I like Tichu. Really I, I like didn't it. know there was a pocket version. They have in German. Okay. They have this Hanabi and Tichu. It's really small, just a packet of cards, and it's in tin. You can destroy walls with that. It's very hard metal. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> it works well, and this Hanabi is really good for that purpose. Hmm. And Paddle Imp, I have the. 68 gram version, this Seaman edition, it's only cards, there's no puddle in it, and it's a very small box, but it was in a previous list, so okay, it's out. <laughs> Do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, no, no, I kept everything to the, uh... yeah, I'd say I'm going to keep everything to the list. Okay, I'll have to mention one more. Did you know that Techscape cards weigh 177 grams? Okay, that's a They're good reference. heavy cards. Wow. I had it on the list. I thought that it will go to the list, but I didn't know it's that heavy. Interesting. And, yeah, that's about it for the honorable mentions. I thought of adding the crew, but I've been playing it so much in board game arena that I don't know if I'll play it in the card form <laughs> again. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Plus the crew is two full decks of cards. Because you've got the play cards and then you've got the the uh, mission oh, cards, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it's it's probably heavier than than a lot of the others. That's true. I also tried to make it so that all of them are not card games on the list. I have only two games that are just cards. I have. Not I tried three. to differentiate. I've got mostly cards, but but I've got some differentiation. All right. Um, <laughs> in the past, now this is. Uh, Actually, a bit interesting, because in the past, we've had, since the first episode, we had Richard Simpson as a guest, and he wanted to announce like Eric Summerer. So <laughs> all the guests so far have been trying to announce the numbers like Eric Summerer. Ah, so I, I'm usually <laughs> good at you, that. <laughs> yeah, maybe you want to give it a try as well, if you're going to be able to announce like... Eric Summerer. Sure. You know, usually uh, the uh, the Dice Tower has uh, an announcer that is not me doing the uh, the, the standard top ten list. That, that's a – some people think that's me, but it's not. 
Um, but yeah. I, I will often do it at, at a live show. I'll, I'll do the announcing. But I, I'm happy to, to try and sound like Eric Summer here. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Bonacker actually said that it's Mike Selinger, if I remember right, who's doing the top then or someone else he had some knowledge uh and mike fitzgerald said, yeah, Eric, did uh, mike fitzgerald yes. yeah he did some announce he was a, a, an announcer on the dice tower before me um but i don't mm. think it was him that did the top 10 either it's it was somebody that tom hired way back when um and he doesn't mm-hmm. even remember what the guy's name was ah okay So Stephen was also wrong. Tom knows. I'll ask him if I see him that who is that guy. There you go. But Tom doesn't know the name, so yep. <laughs> it's really not useful. But you do the live show, so let's see how you do now. So we go from nine, one by one, you begin, I follow and Okay. Let's see what happens. Number nine. Well done. My number nine is called Vicious Fishes. Uh, this is this is from a company called Nestor Games, and almost all of their games come in canvas pouches. Uh, Vicious Fishes comes in in two of the canvas pouches, so this is maybe the most awkward of my list as far as transportation. But the components it it has tile racks that are made of foam, uh, that so they're they're very light. Um, it's a tile laying game uh, from designer Tom Vassell. Uh, you isn't it Vassal? Yeah, it's va- Vassal. I, I, I see. It's Vassal ah. written so often like that. <laughs> uh, it's a tile laying game and sort of an area control game with these cool little, uh, you know, fish and and octopi and and you know sea creatures that sort of attack each other and you earn points for surrounding uh, each other with your your tiles. Um, it it's it is, however, very light. As far as weight goes, and it's my number nine, Vicious Fishes. I haven't even seen this, but the art looks really cool. It's cute. And I want to try this, actually. I've Just two weeks ago, I tried Nothing Personal. Ah. And that was actually surprisingly good. I liked it more than I thought. It, it is. That's it's a, a lovely game. game. It's for for that style of game. It's negotiation. Yeah. It's very sort of in-your-face. Um, but it's it's a nice design. They did a nice job. Yeah, and it flows very well. Yeah. So I have high expectations for this. This is vicious. There you go. My number nine is the game that I couldn't find, and that is for sale. Ah. This, if possible, is even lighter than your fish game. And this is on the list because I've actually carried this with me quite a lot. I mean, it was coming with me everywhere where I was going to play something with more than two players. Because this works really well with three, four, five, and six, and it's basically just two decks of cards and some chits that can be used as coins. You can use stones if you want, yeah, as long as you can hide them to your pockets or somewhere. <laughs> yep. So basically, you only need sixty cards. I think it's one to thirty two times. Yeah. And the artwork is really nice, and there was new edition recently published, I think. But this is a great game, and In my opinion, people should remember this. It seems that it's getting forgotten, but it should be remembered better. This is a great game. It is an excellent game, and and you're right. Uh, just basically one full deck of cards divided by two, and then some uh, cardboard tokens. You're all set. Yep. Number eight. 
My number eight is a game called Bus. Uh, there are lots of games called Bus. The splatter game called Bus would not fit on this list. It's, <laughs> it's plenty heavy. Uh, this is from a company that, that is called Paco Games. Um, these are all mm. games that fit in small little cardboard boxes uh, about the size of a pack of gum. And Bus is a pick-up-and-deliver game uh, for two players. You, uh, you have these long, skinny cards the, the size of a pack of gum or a stick of gum. And uh, you create sort of a map, uh, a grid map. And then you've got bus cards that move around. And you're going from end of the map to the other end of the map and, and, uh, and completing objectives. Uh, and it's kind of cool to have a pick-up-and-deliver game that fits in such a tiny Little case, the Paco Games game, Bus, all capital letters, my number eight. And works with two players. Yes. I'm, I haven't even seen these Paco games, but if it's a working, I mean, well-working game for two players, pick up a deliver, I'm interested in it. Oh, excellent. And the other bus is great also. Oh, yes, it is. My number eight is the heaviest game on this list. Not maybe weight-wise, but... Physical weight wise, and this is Flip Over Frog. Ah, yes. This is a surprisingly heavy game. I mean, it says in Board Game Geek that the weight is 1.33, but especially two players, this can become quite thinky mm-hmm. at some points, especially before, I mean, at the point when you're putting the frogs on the flip side of the frogs i mean when the in a way second phase of the game will start when they there will be no empty squares on the board and this has really great artwork and the component quality is good that's why it weighs 153 grams Mm -hmm. it has a board and 40 tiles i'm not counting the boxes to the weights because they are not needed you can put the game in a bag sure and take it with you and if you have the possibility to try this, try this. It's a surprising hit. In a way, hit, hit. But I like it a lot from Hub Games. Hmm. And originally from Japan by a guy named Okabenius. I have no idea hmm. yeah, I, what kind of guy, guy he or she or they are. I like this one as well. Uh, good, good choice. Uh, my youngest, the nine-year-old, is a shark at this game. Um, he, he had me going the entire game thinking he was one color and, and then pulled a move at the end and uh, won the game because I, he had me convinced that he was uh, representing the, the other color. <laughs> yeah. Number seven. Number seven is the newest. Yeah, this is the newest game on my list. This is brand new. It's a, an 18-card escape game. Uh, mm-hmm. from Grand Gamers Guild uh, called the Kringle Caper. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a, a tiny little cardboard pack, just 18 cards, and you're solving puzzles. It uses an app. I don't know if you... You're going to be carrying your phone with you anyway, so I don't think that counts as far as the <laughs> weight goes. Um, so very easy to transport and great for um, a small family gathering where you're dealing with kids uh, solving puzzles relating to Rudolph and the other eight reindeer or, or Christmas carols or, or the layout of Santa's workshop. Um, it, it's a, a neat little escape game called the Kringle Caper, number seven. This looks really cool. Not many ratings yet on Podcast. It's brand ten, new. Ten ratings. Yeah, this looks interesting and sounds interesting. My number seven is Würfel Bonanza 
So basically the dice version of Bonanza. Yes. This weighs 111 grams and it has 66 cards and 7 dice. Uh, there is this one thing. I will never play this with more than 3 players. Hmm. I once played with 5 and I will never ever play it again with 5. Interesting. <laughs> because in one round you can, I mean one person can just by luck fulfill even two cards and that's a huge <laughs> huge advantage in that game yeah. but with two and three this works really well especially with two i like it a lot as a two-player game and basically it's bonanza but with dice and the best thing is that you can do things on the other player's turn if the other player gives you the possibility and even if not <laughs> yes. in the first roll they have no in choice the first roll you can yeah especially in the first roll but after the other one has taken the, some dice off then it's not that easy anymore but yeah don't expect this to be strategic it's just random and lucky but it's fun and quick and i like it a lot yeah Würfel Bonanza. yeah a- excellent game uh, it's a shame that this is uh, a german only uh, you can't get this in the us uh, for whatever reason, it, it was never picked up by the U.S. publishers, and it's a shame. Yeah, but you can order it from Amazon DE. You can. And it's cheap. Number six. My number six is Love Letter. There are a million different editions of Love Letter. The one I'm thinking of was uh, from AEG, but... Uh, there's, there's other publishers now producing Love Letter. And the edition I'm thinking of, the original, is just a simple pouch with, I think it's another 18-card game. So a pouch with 18 cards and some markers for scorekeeping. Uh, and very, very portable, easy to throw in a pocket. Uh, it's sort of sort of a, uh, a hidden role game. Not really, um, but there's a, an element where you can guess what numbers other people have. You're trying to end up with the highest number by the end of the round, uh, playing cards one at a time with special powers and revealing what other people have and trying to uh, to either be the last person standing with cards in hand or to have the highest number when it's all over. Do that several times until you've won like three or four times and and, and you've got it. Love letter number six. The basic version. Yes. All right. My number six is one of the few games with only cards, and this is Skull King. Uh, this is one of the best trick-taking games there are, and I originally played this with the deck of cards. It's this originally called Oh Hell, I think, mm-hmm. or some other Oh something else. Yes. Also, uh, but. If I remember right, it goes the other way. So it goes from 10 to 1 uh, cards in hand. And this one goes from 1 to 10. And this is so, so good game. In many different groups, it works with almost everyone after they understand how the trick-taking works. So you can just play one sample hand that this is how a trick-taking game works and then just begin playing. It's easy to begin from one card and then two and then three and then four. Mm -hmm. And... At the time when there are six cards and three people beat four, that becomes craziness. <laughs> and it's it's really, really good game. Very cool. Number five. My number five uh, is called Mint Delivery. Uh, this is from a series by... They're, they're now called Poketo. They started as called uh, 524 Labs. And this entire series comes in metal tins, uh, which look very much like Altoids tins. I don't know. Do they have Altoids in Finland? 
Uh, not with that same name, I think. Oh, not at the moment, at least. Maybe earlier they had. Okay, it, it, it might be a U.S.-based company. It, uh, there is a, a line of mints, uh, little chalky white mints called Altoids, uh, and these games all fit in metal tins just like that. And in fact, they all use metal, or not metal, wooden, uh, white wooden discs that look like those Altoids mints as mm. part of the game mechanisms. And and my favorite of this series is Mint Delivery, which is, again, a pick up and deliver game. Uh, some of these cards are going to be a map and you're moving around that map and uh, and picking up different mints and delivering them uh, to other areas of the board. Um, it's it's cute. Uh, it's very very portable and uh, and small. Mint delivery number five. Was this the first one or which one was the first? The first, one? first I... is called Mint Works. It's a worker placement game using those uh, mints. Yeah, because I backed the first one in Kickstarter, but I still haven't played it. I'm not oh. sure where I put it because it's so small. It is small. <laughs> that That is the one difficulty with almost all of these is that they are small enough that if you throw them in a bag, you may never see them again until you find that bag again. <laughs> I've had pockets of like a jacket or or of a, a suitcase or a bag that I, I threw one of these in thinking, well, maybe if I have time, I'll play one of these games. And I've totally forgotten that the game is in there. <laughs> Yeah, mine is in some drawer, but I have no idea in which drawer. <laughs> it's, it's somewhere. But I have it, but I still haven't played it. Yep. My number five is quite a new game also. It's called Super Express. And this is... I don't like Cold Express. I'm saying that already. Mm. I don't like the game. It's too... Uh, let's say I'd rather play Robo Rally than Cold Express. Okay. And this Super Express was very, very surprising to me. I thought that this won't be good, but it worked so quickly and we laughed a lot when we played. So that is already a good thing about the game. And it only weighs 74 grams. If you add the expansion, it gives 26 grams more. So it's exactly 100 grams. And it has 52 cards and 7 meeples. And yeah... 100 grams game and it's quite good. It goes up to seven people. That's the main reason I included it in the list because you can play it with a lot of people and quickly and easily. That's helpful, yeah. Have you played this yet? I have not, no. Is it um, in US already or only in Europe? I have not. This this is the first I've heard of it. So um, it it may be out here, but I'm not aware of it. Okay, I have the Finnish version. Asmodi sent me a copy and it was really surprisingly good. Hmm. I don't know if it's out in US yet, but it's surprisingly good. Cool. Considering its size and looks and everything. Huh. And I don't like Cold Express. I'm repeating that. <laughs> but it is like it's a version of Cold Express or it's the same universe? Uh, it has the same characters and the same train, but everything works with cards. Huh. And you have some action cards, you choose one. I mean, you program the cards and then you flip them over. Basically the same as Colt Express, but without any convoluted trains or cacti on the board or something like okay. that nonsense. Just portable and easy, Very cool. Colt Express, and a lot better because it's so quick. Number four. My number four does not play seven players. In fact, it's primarily (laughs) a solo game, or there is a two-player cooperative version. It's called Palm Island. 
Uh, a, mm-hmm. a single deck of this fits in a small little uh, plastic wallet. So um, it's maybe 20 cards, maybe a few more than that. Uh, not not a tremendous number of these. Palm Island has these multi, um, multi-sided cards. You're sort of twisting them in your hand and keeping the deck that you're cycling through in your hand. Uh, the whole thing is designed where you, you take one card and do something with it and put it to the back and you're rotating them and twisting them and uh, taking some of them as resources and using those resources to build other buildings and then yet that gets flipped around or turned upside down and you're basically upgrading the cards in your deck that is in your hand uh, and doing it after a certain number of runs through the deck, you're hopefully you've upgraded enough buildings and scored enough points to win the game. Uh, it's an ingenious little system, and uh, I enjoy it a lot. Palm Island, number four. I haven't seen this either, but I've seen pictures of it. Mm. It looks interesting. Yes. My number four is a game for Eric, and this is called Push It. Push it. Have you played this? I have not. This is a game that was kickstarted in 2015. It comes in a like a stock cardboard box. And it has some kind of 80s vibes. Texts. I should actually show this to you <laughs> from camera. <laughs> uh, but uh, it has eight wooden wooden pucks and one different kind of wooden puck that is a jack. Okay. And you put it in the middle of the table and the others are pushing or flicking the discs and trying to hit it. Basically, it's a portable crokinole in a way. Or actually portable curling, yeah. but from four directions. Or bocce. And I haven't played that. Yeah, it, I don't it's know. sort of a lawn bowling game. You have a target ball and ah, you're yeah, throwing yeah, yeah. balls at it. Yeah. Yeah, but you slide these pucks. Yep. So I, it reminds me of curling. And you might actually like this because you like the table curling. I do very much. And this comes with a cloth back and it all only weighs 65 grams. And this is a different kind of game. Very nice. To this list. Place two to four. Cool. Push it. Number three. I mentioned the Button Shy games at the top of this, and this is my selection from Button Shy. It's called Sprawlopolis. Sprawlopolis can be played as a solo game, but it can also be played as an up to four player cooperative challenge. It's only 18 cards, it comes in one of those plastic wallets, um, and you're building a, a cityscape with roads and different building and terrain types and trying to conform to three scoring conditions um, that, that exist. Uh, and and each, so each time you play, so each of the cards has a scoring condition on the back side of it. And so you're going to deal out three of these scoring conditions at the beginning, and then the rest of the cards are what you're going to be building the map with. And you must cooperatively or solo try and score a target number of points using those scoring conditions. Um, by adjacency rules and how many roads you have and, uh, you know, how they connect to each other. And it is a, an interesting puzzle every time you play with different scoring conditions. It's a great, great uh, cooperative challenge. Sprawlopolis, number three. Have you played this with how many players? I've pl- have you played it with four? I have played it, was it either, it was either three or four. Are you crazy? <laughs> I mean, this is a solo game. Come you on. don't have you as many decisions, uh, you know, when you're you're you basically dealt out uh, the cards to people's hands. Um, 
when you're playing a multiplayer version, but mm. yeah, it, I think it works. It's it's discussion of what do I do with this card? How am I going to make it happen? Um, I, I still like it as a multiplayer game. I think it might be quicker to screw up with more players. Yeah, Maybe <laughs> it doesn't take that long as a solo. Maybe. Yeah, that's true. It can take long as a solo game, at least for me, because I try to win it every time I play. My number three is half mentioned by you already, and mine is Batman Love Letter, ah. because that's the version I have. I also have the Infinity Gauntlet, what is it called? But I don't think the one versus many works as well as this Batman one works. Mm-hmm. I like the Batman one the most. Batman is good. Yeah, I, I like that there is this uh, hitting mechanism, which is, a, which is a bit different from the original guessing mechanism yep <laughs> there, there are different skills the marvel one the new one is also good but i think this is better that it's all versus all and this weighs 56 grams and it has 16 cards four reference cards and 25 tokens in it and the tokens are really cool in this batman version they have, have this batman symbol in them yep and i like the tokens a lot although the love letter heart tokens are also cool Yes. But my number three, Batman Love Letter. All right. Number two. Number two is a full deck of cards. Uh, It is Oh My Goods, which is an engine-building economic game uh, that that uses these cards for multiple uh, uses. They are resources. They are buildings. They are money. They are uh, just sort of tokens uh, that represent the goods that you produce when you use them. And uh, it's this whole economic system that is just represented with this deck of cards. It's a single deck. Uh, There are expansions that add like story elements and all of that. Then it becomes a little more unwieldy. Um, I think as a single deck of cards, it is infinitely portable. But when you start adding more boxes with all the solo challenges and the the story mode, it gets a little less so. So just basic game, oh my goods, a lovely economic game, um, all in one deck of cards, and my number two. It has over 100 cards. I didn't consider this, but it's a great choice and great game. I've also carried it with me and we played it on our trips. I forgot it. My number two is a game that weighs only 38 grams. It has five dice and to that 38 grams I counted 20 sheets. So basically you can accommodate two times four player games or uh, two four player games. Wait, I'm counting wrong. <laughs> With Anyway, 20 sheets and they are two-sided and there are four different sheets. There are A, B, C and D sheets and... If you add five pencils that come in the game, it adds 12 grams to the weight, so it's still 50 grams and second lightest on the list. Sure. And that is Castles of Burgundy, ah, the dice yes, game. Yes, yes. It has wooden dice. That's why it's so lightweight. And I always pack this with me. The last time I played it was in UK Games Expo, after that in Heathrow Airport. And I think I had it with me in Spiel also, and maybe I played in the room but i always carry this with me if i have possibility that i have to sit somewhere and wait Mm -hmm. and this is maybe not a very good game but it's a still a good game and i play this solo and try to (laughs) make better score than earlier but 
I find that I sometimes forget to mark <laughs> which how many times I've rolled the dice because you have to keep track on the time. Oh yes. <laughs> I, I sometimes seem to forget it because I don't think I've got that good points as I have in one of my seats. <laughs> <laughs> I, I noticed that when when I was weighing this, I noticed that it has crazy points. I don't remember how much it was now, but it was more than more than in the others. I think I've made a mistake. But one day I will learn to count one plus one plus two plus one plus, and so yes. on. This is a very portable game. It is. Uh, it's a. It is a great game. I I like it a lot. I. I actually didn't put a roll and write game on my list, although I considered it. You you asked if I had any honorable mentions. I I did put Roll Estate on my list, which mm-hmm. is uh, the sort of Monopoly themed Yahtzee uh, mashup, mm-hmm. and um, that was that was a possibility. But there's so many; it was hard to pick one yeah. roll and write game where you could just throw in five of those wooden wooden dice and some sheets, and and that's all you need. To, to play the roll and write game. So lots of roll and write games could have fit on this list. Yeah, I have Nokmal in my honorable mentions, but I couldn't wait. That's even lighter than this one, I think, because it has less dice, but this has very lightweight dice. Yes. That's the best thing in this, and it goes to very small space. The wooden dice certainly help. Yeah, definitely. And they are better and nicer than this plastic, in my opinion, anyway, because they don't make this clunky sound if you roll it on an ah. airport table or something. Yeah, okay. They are smoother, softer sound. I like it more. And finally, number one. So my real number one would be Tiny Epic Galaxies from Gameland Games. Mm-hmm. Um, the official version of this is not, I mean, it is portable. It, it is in a, it's in a box that's um, maybe like four times the size of a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. But Gameland produces an ultra-tiny Epic Galaxies version, which is just a tiny little tuck box. All of the this dice... It's like cheating. It, it, it's not. <laughs> it is definitely a very port... It's totally designed to be the super uh, portable version of Tiny Epic Galaxies. It's got everything that the full-size version has, the, at least the base game. Um, but the the dice are actually wooden cubes... Um, that you're rolling to get the results. Um, and the whole thing uh, is is infinitely portable um, and easy to pull out in whatever situation you might be in. So Ultra Tiny Epic Galaxies is my number one. Yeah. Tiny Epic Galaxies is probably the best of those games that I've played. Oh, yeah. And if Ultra Tiny Epic Galaxies is the same, then this is a good pick. But it's a bit cheating. Ultra it's tiny. Not epic. cheating. Ah. It exists. <laughs> yeah, it exists. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But anyway, it exists. My number one is already mentioned by Eric, and it's Prolopolis. It weighs 32 grams. I have the Quinet Games boxed edition. Ah. So the box box weighs 50 grams on top of that. Uh, of course, more, with more seats. I weighed this with 18 cards and 10 seats. Does the button shy version come with these scoring seats or not? There, there are no scoring sheets in the button shy version, no. Okay. Yeah, this one has some 50 or something like that. But this has this scoring sheets added. And as I already commented to you, this is very thinky sometimes. Oh, yeah. 
as a solo game, it feels like it is solvable, but you just can't pick the right <laughs> choice, and it's very annoying. I think I've played it for 40 minutes once, and it was very, very annoying. I'm 50-50 with the game. I've won half the games and lost half the games. Okay. It can be really difficult. Yes. Sometimes. And sometimes it can be really easy, like a walk in the park. <laughs> it all depends on what, what you draw and uh, and what yeah. the scoring conditions are, yeah. Yeah, and some scoring cards give you huge amount of points, but then you are required to have a lot of points. Yes. It's very, very well planned, in my opinion. It's a good design. Yes. Especially considering it has only 18 cards. It is really, really, really well done. It is really cool. And those Quinted Games versions, they... they uh... They just released another wave of them, if I'm not mistaken, um, and and ones that if if we had had an in-person spiel this year, I might have come home with a couple, uh, just because the the prettier versions of of some of these games might have been really neat. Yeah, I, last year in spiel I bought Sprawlopolis, Circle the Wagons, and Stu, which ones which they had. I didn't like Stu, but Circle the Wagons could have been on this list. Mm as well as Prolopolis, but I thought that two-player game is less useful than a solo game Yeah. for this list. That's also a great game. Circle of Against, that is. I don't remember, do they have more than one? I saw one new one, but do they have three more in Quinnet? Uh, I, I know Tussie Mussy is one. I, I don't remember how many. It was more than, I think the complete set looked like it was at least four, so there's another... There's at least a fourth one. Okay, there was three last year. Okay, so so that's why I thought that there's only one more, but maybe they are coming with more and more and more and more. These are really cool boxes because they are these folding opening boxes, mm. and they have numbers on the side, so I think they are making a set. Yes, Sprawlopolis is number one. Okay. So, what do you think? We will have a paddle after this. Um, episode when I post the episode and when I post the lists which one of us do you think will win the battle? Well, I've not won even one yet because everyone are voting against me especially in Twitter I think my combined votes is probably three or something well I but, I think that my uh, you know my my victory is going to hinge totally on whether the audience agrees that ultra tiny epic galaxies is valid if if they yeah, decide they, that they that is breaking the that. rules as you have asserted, um, then <laughs> then I'm I'm doomed. So I, I totally think it's valid. Um, so I I think I have the victory as long as it's not a technical foul. Except that you have two games that probably not many in here at least have li- have played this. Kringle Caper and Vicious Vicious are a bit That's true. rare. Also, Buzz is a bit rare here. Yeah, you just have to uh, take my word for it on Vicious Vicious. I, I don't think there aren't that many copies in existence of Vicious Vicious, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Has Tom been gathering all of them? I He might. He's not getting a hold of mine. <laughs> I've hidden it. Uh, to the Dice Tower Library. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I still, it, it doesn't look that bad. No, I, I think he's making he, fun it, of it himself. It's a shame that it wasn't available in a wider distribution. Um, Nestor Games is a pretty small boutique publisher, uh, and and mm. so it was it was almost a print on demand sort of thing. And it would have been nice if if it was easier to get a hold of. Yeah, but it doesn't look that bad. I never looked at it earlier. No. 
Maybe Tom is exaggerating. <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much for joining me. And if people want to find you, where can they find you? Well, uh, I am at ericsummerer.com. I'm also on Twitter at Eric Summerer. And if you like audiobooks, if you uh, go to your local uh, Audible uh, marketplace, wherever you, you happen to be, and search for Eric Michael Summerer, you'll find one of those 250 to 300 audiobooks floating around. Uh, you can also sort by genre so, um, you know, I'd recommend not listening to the romance books, but, um, you know, there's lots of sci-fi and fantasy and nonfiction there, too. I have to check them out. So you don't want to promote yourself in the board game. <laughs> I'm also on Everyone. the Dice Tower. Uh, you know, we, we have uh, the Dice Tower podcast. Uh, I am on every couple of weeks on the Dice Tower podcast and also Dice Tower Tonight, which is a a live video show that I, I host with Crystal Dax. And uh, we, we play silly games and interact with the chat every two weeks on Wednesday on YouTube. And if you haven't watched yet, go watch Eric's top 100 games of all time. There are some really great picks and the videos are quite fun. Maybe not fun, but you can um emphasize empathize on eric's <laughs> packing and moving and trying to find the games it was they're, quite an adventure they're for really sure. very well done yeah, oh, thank you i'm glad I you liked enjoyed it. them you were saying something uh no it, it was a an adventure to film and uh we really enjoyed it and i'm glad you liked it yeah it was really good also the choices although the changing of the Number one was a bit uncalled for. <laughs> but you have to go and watch yourself yes. to know what is the new number uh, one. Sure. You'll be surprised. <laughs> Definitely. You have to test the song, by the way, for next <laughs> we year. We would have to. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can find this podcast from SoundCloud with username Mitapelataan. You can also find the podcast from Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Should be in Amazon Podcasts also at some point. And it should be found anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can find me from Instagram and Twitter with username Mitapelataan. There's a page in Facebook, Mitapelata. And you can just search by Mitapelataan and you should find me from many places. I have a blog, mitapelatan.wordpress.com, where you can find information about this channel and all the links to related media. You should be able to find me from YouTube as well by searching mitapelatan. You can send me email to mitapelatan at gmail.com. There's also a guild in Boardgame Geek number 3321. Interact in any way you can, comment anything up to you, but interact with me please. And if you listen this far, please leave a review, subscribe so that people find out about this podcast. And one more time, thank you for listening and bye-bye. The music used in this series was 
Nightwalker by Sensent Pulse. Thank you for that.